0: Hello, Gothic friends. This is Alice and you're in Gothic land. And we are going to go into episode number two of my video podcast called The Road to Self-Recognition. And in this video podcast number two, where we're talking with Tuche Kutlu about midnight mass. So in this second episode, uh, what we're going to be telling you is about the camera angles, how important they are in midnight mass. And we're also going to talk to you about grief, the different uh, ways the grief are represented in the series. And we are going to start creating a little bit of awareness regarding um, what is it that we can learn from Midnight Mass. So in this episode two with Tuche Kutlu, we are going down the rabbit hole of Midnight Mass. So there we go. Don't miss it. Okay. Hello again. One more time to check. Good evening
1: for me, super good evening for you. (laughs) Yes, super good evening to me because it's 9 o'clock in Turkey.
0: Right. And when are you going to have something to eat? I would like to know. Or have you had a little snack in between sessions? Oh,
1: I I eat early. I eat around 6 every night. I'm kind of like a person who eats very, very early. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: so do you have like an English timetable that you have your tea, like five, six, and then you have like
1: a little I snack? I kind of do. Like, for example, I do my uh, breakfast around, you know, eight or something. Mm-hmm. And then I have my lunch at one and then 6 p.m. there goes the like dinner. And well, that's the timetable for Tuche.
0: Right, and then you don't snack or anything before going to bed. No,
1: no, I don't, don't snack. Food. But oh. I drink a lot of tea.
0: Right. So somehow your your tummy is is full there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is great. Thank you very much for being again here in Alice in Gotheland. Let's welcome you with our little <laughs> banner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank like you God. for having me. As always, it's it's a pleasure, really.
0: Great. We were talking about midnight mass, and we were saying let's let's get our funny things here. That you you love this one, really, don't you? You really like this one.
1: <laughs> I love this one, really. I I am. <laughs> look at me! I'm so uh, I'm so like mm, loving and affectionate <laughs> in this. It, it doesn't it doesn't look like I'm about to talk about grief and death.
0: <laughs> no, it, but it looks know.
1: like i'm giving giving away kitchen recipes or something like that food recipes <laughs> yes and i'm next to you said oh the surprise surprise <laughs> yeah, but that's that would be a good program gothic kitchen with tuchin alicia
0: hey well in um, that sense we would have to get you know ali ali is someone in uh, samsher's group oh. as well yeah, and she's writing. We'll have to talk to her at some point as well.
1: Oh, Gothic she, Cookbook! I love well. her! Yes, yes, yes she,
0: she me as well, and I've, I've been trying to help her out as well, spreading the voice, and so people yeah. buy the book as well. The she's amazing.
1: I, so. I follow her on social media, and she's really amazing, yeah, definitely. Really Gothic book, Cookbook, guys yes it
0: looks fantastic it's it's amazing the work she's doing and that's another project that is crowdfunded actually and Mm. because again it's a lot of work there's a lot of research there's nothing like that out there Uh, she was interviewed a few months ago and I never went to tell her but yes it looks like we could be doing something like that and invite her next time (laughs) it could be not a bad idea maybe we could connect that with midnight mass somehow with the kind of diet that they follow yeah
1: yeah that would be that would be so good i i really wish that we could do that in like person i mean it's not possible but i would i would try the gothic dishes and i'm like "Mm, yes this is good yes yes (laughs)
0: like you're in
1: some kind of show
0: you never know it won't say there's a retreat in barcelona where yeah. i get you all guys over here <laughs> and then when we cook free we can all try all Woo-hoo. these recipes from Ali's book so
1: yes gothic recipes i love it
0: it's so interesting as well so yes people a lot of research and a lot of things going on out there in the gothic world and the gothic and horror i mean you are an expert in horror and now you are going to be teaching it how lucky your students are going to be. I'm so lucky I met you. Thank you, thank
1: you, thank you. It's
0: an honor. You're too kind. No, it's true. It's an honor to have you here, and it's an honor having people that are so passionate about grief, about death, about what, how can we help other people overcome all these fears? And today we're talking about Midnight Masses part two, and We were saying, you were saying, to that the Midnight Mass for you is about trauma, mortality versus immortality, this fear that we all have about dying. And it is so um, interesting that these series were made during pandemic times when precisely there's so much fear about dying that, you know, you were also saying, um, the road to hell is paid with good intentions, just kind of summarizing <laughs> all the ideas that you were so saying agree. before. That it's about love, it's about religion. Yeah, this love and death dichotomy as well is very interesting. And all the little stories that are webbed into the big thing that is considering such a small island, we've got a lot of these elements there that intertwine. So we are going to go down now how is this story told and and to do that we're going to talk about the settings but i'm just going to change the screen i don't want to be going through all these lights again oh yeah well we need to show this one <laughs> we need to show this one people before we go ahead we need support there's a lot of work exactly like that you oh yeah that, that for me <laughs> you need uh if you want to support us uh you can go to this coffee page our coffee page with my coffee page but where Tucci is going to get um, support and we're going to be sending her money over there uh, because, yes, we have a professional, we have uh, someone, we have an expert, we, you know, in Alice in Gothicland, we're carrying on these interviews with professionals and donations are some very welcome. And also to continue uh, working, as we were saying, I was saying to Tucci, the, uh, the things that Alice in Gothicland is planning, all these things that i'm trying to do to help other people but also because we're having fun you know what is the purpose of life we were saying before our purpose is to yeah. have fun
1: <laughs> yeah to have fun and to learn more and to yeah. maybe uh, to help people learn more i think yeah. it's important
0: i think a lot of times you realize that when when you're enjoying something so much uh, that's how you actually helping others because there's the passion comes out And when you're forcing it, it's not quite right. But when it's like this, that we're sharing our knowledge with other people and then everybody, different people will go, well, this resonates with me. So yes, that's how you're helping me. And sometimes we help without knowing that we're helping. So just to keep us going, then this is the page but I'm not going to pest people anymore with this image because I also feel a bit <laughs> <you> know, awkward. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is we talking about midnight mass and we're going to go today, we're going to continue this session with this. This is how we closed the last program. So yes. the multiple camera angles.
1: The yes, angle, right, I always very think. important. And also the shapes are important uh you mentioned before in the previous part that it looks like a chessboard, That's you know nice. the checkered checkered floor and i agree with you because this scene is a chess game between paul and riley and it is it is so uh vital that we should acknowledge that and you see this like huge space and there are you know two exit red lights that you know some kind of like is it's a kind of sign that there is a kind of danger in this. I've not moment. thought of that.
0: You know? I've not thought of that one, but yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah. There's right, a like yeah. two red lights that just go, you know, exit. And uh, it's kind of like, it tells us that there is kind of danger in this zone, in this scene that we are seeing. And it's a sign of things to come actually. And there is this shape of uh, like a kind of triangle, and triangle hmm. is very important in a lot of cultures, as you know, Celtic culture, and uh, it's important in uh, Scandinavia. Uh, and if you've seen Midsommar, you would know that the church is triangular, and hmm. uh, so, triangle, or of course, is also important for Christianity because you know. The Holy Trinity That's is true, important. It's,
0: yeah, um, it's true and, yeah, but, um, I'm not the shape. Yes, I'm not the shape. What is what does it mean really? In, for example, in Islam, this this shape, the pointed, is just because it's pointing at God. Is uh, yes, it's
1: kind of like pointing at God and like the relationship between people and relationship mm-hmm. with the God. You know, upper. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, it goes up to the god and then between humans. Uh-huh. So because the show is about human relationships, but also our relationship with God and several gods actually in this in this case in the share in the series, uh, and it's really uh, very important that it's a wide angle lens that that is used. Uh, so Paul and Riley are opposite each other, and they're at the same height. No one is shown, like, bigger than the other. It's a a kind of meeting of the equals in this uh, manner, because we see Paul as an approachable priest, you know? He's he's the father Paul, but he's an approachable, easygoing kind of guy. He's relaxed, he's cool, modern, um... Mm -hmm. At least we think so, (laughs) but actually he's a a 90 or 80-year-old man who was bitten by a vampire, we later learn. Uh, But it's so interesting, this scene between them, that we learn a lot of things about Riley, and Paul calls bullshit on a lot of Riley's uh, stuff. Uh, It's the kind of moment of truth. Uh, for For Riley that he faces faces his trauma, he faces his grief, uh, which uh, he has been postponing until now I mean he, he has been seeing the ghost of the girl for so many years and but he never he never talked to anyone about it until you know until uh, mm-hmm. he comes to Crockett Island and finally starts telling people that he's not actually really well and that that's i think a a vital point of the show
0: yeah riley's
1: challenge
0: yeah it's very important are you talking about how symmetrical these images as well you Mm -hmm. know the symmetry is well in in them but also look at the body language of the two characters most of the time uh, yes, yeah. like it's approachable. At the same time, we have this other middle chair there because someone there that didn't turn up.
1: Maybe it's and, God.
0: <laughs> or maybe it's one of us. he's kind ah, of he's
1: yeah. There. Our presence, our presence is there. Exactly. <laughs> or he's maybe there. it's the ghost of the girl that he killed, and there is just this emptiness uh, that you know that will always stay there between them, between his relationship with other people and God.
0: Well, as you said before, these three, the magical number three, the the holy trinity that is not there but Mm -hmm. is there, you're right there. He could could have been playing these subconsciously. um, Of course. uh, Mike
1: Flanigan does that a lot, actually. He plays with angles. He plays with uh, mise-en-scene. And um, he plays with a lot of, you know, like kind of camera movements to show trauma and show relationships between characters. And uh, in this case, there is an empty chair. That's true. I mean, why? There is uh, absolutely no reason for there to be an empty chair. It makes that there is a gap there between them.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's another there's another game that he does that I didn't put a picture here for. Uh but he gets um if you remember right this uh when they are at, at the island at the beach and they find all these dead cats on the shore. Oh yeah, yeah. The
1: camera goes It's a very out. terrible scene for me as a pet lover. Uh it's, I know uh, I know terrible. Such a thing that
0: they plastic ones. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got two cats as well. Thankfully
1: <laughs> thankfully. <laughs>
0: uh. But this camera going round, you know this camera going round the characters yeah. almost like if you were on a on a fancy fancy on a wheel it was what are they called now the phone fair but round so it's
1: almost dc oh yes now yes yes that's like, true
0: and it's, i think the purpose of that is just to give us all the different angles and different points of view so you don't quite stick to one view but you have multiple points of view of the same
1: story,
0: I think that's brilliant. I mean, it's not in this picture, but that is brilliant. And I think also- I love that.
1: I love that in films, like when they use multiple vantage points, because then you see the story between so like uh, through so many eyes that Mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, it's like a puzzle. You pick pieces from all the stories and all the uh, vantage points and you make your own story you make your own narrative as a as a viewer and that's important in stories i think and uh, it gives you freedom it's more democratic that way because you have a say in in the narrative as well
0: yeah that's right yes no it's it's very important how you can show more and say less kind of thing which is also not just something that we use for books and in fiction but also in in the way that films and series are now made as well and i think he's he's an expert on this i mean we didn't get that when it was uh, with blind manor or with um hill house
1: but Hill house yeah but there's a there's an episode of Hill House that was, uh, you know, shot in one take. I think oh, it's right. Right. Yeah, it was it's... the fifth or sixth episode. I, I can't remember right now, but it was one take and it was phenomenal. It was my favorite episode on the show. And uh, it just it just uh, doesn't stay at one time. I mean, it, it, it even goes through time And, you know, goes back and forth. It's the funeral scene, actually. Very interestingly, it's Nell's funeral. And uh, we are seeing Nell's funeral and we are going back in time and seeing the Hill House. And that's, we are going back from funeral house to the Hill House. And that's a brilliant, brilliant uh, kind of uh, cinema that... I love talking about and that's why I say I'm saying that he's a master I mean Mike Flanagan is going to be one of those people we'll talk about for many years.
0: I think so I think so and we kind of you were saying before in the in the other interview in the first part of this interview the series that we're kind of lucky living at this time because we have access to him right now and not we're not studying him in the future we kind of look it to be contemporaneous and to understand where it comes from and what it's trying to do. Uh, you. yeah, you're right. No, these these camera things are so clever. So yeah, the, the multiple camera angles we're saying that tell a story. Um and then when we keep going down this rabbit hole, what we find, oh my GIF is not moving. It was moving in my presentation because I I stopped it from <laughs> the presentation. <laughs> it was moving moving was passing too fast yeah, it
1: was it was doing it was,
0: this it was <laughs> so exactly this is the area now where you are more comfortable with and yeah. it's where you are the yeah. expert well, how,
1: how interesting it is that i'm comfortable with talking about death and grief <laughs> i'm like i'm comfortable talking about this <laughs> <laughs> it
0: makes
1: me it makes me it makes me sound like a crazy person like I want to talk about death now
0: (laughs) (laughs) well actually we are at a we live in a moment historically that um psychologists are going doolally trying to cover all these grief that's going around um and, and loss and with the situation we're living because uh, people we don't seem to believe that we're mortal so all of the sudden death is knocking our door and it can come up any time even young people it doesn't matter you know the age we're going back to almost like what happened in in the black death that it just got to everybody and we're living like this second or third black death in modern times so we need to talk about it. So we need people like you actually to help us out with our own thoughts and accepting that's the reality and also to take precautions and to be careful and to, okay, let's face it, don't get um, paranoid about it. But if we can help it, if we can avoid it, and if we can do certain things to not get caught by it, we have these, these dead, this invisible death. And if we go back to Midnight Mass, uh, this grief can look very familiar to us as well, which is why I've selected these these few pictures.
1: Four characters that that are grieving the most. Definitely. Yeah.
0: And and the people around them, I mean, we couldn't put everybody here, but they grieve splashes. Everybody else in in the in the series. So, would you like to go one by one, and then I can let you just do your thing? And how they live in their yes. own life I mean, differently. Um,
1: to start with, I think uh, I would like to talk about why these kinds of shows and why these kinds of things are being talked about right now. And it's really important. Um, I think we talked about this before, but you know, the uh, in millennium we had the nine uh, eleven, which was very uh, vital for our collective grief, and there was the death of Diana in nineteen ninety seven, which was another thing that was important. And then people started grieving openly. And grieving out on the streets, grieving for Diana, grieving for nine eleven uh, survivors or victims, and uh, so it was. It was really, it really changed us uh, to a kind of like collective uh, conscience and collective grieving. And of course, uh, cinema, like people who are like movie filmmakers, they are living. <laughs> On this planet as well, as well as us. So they are getting affected by all this trauma and they are having their own traumas as well. They Because everybody is dealing with grief at one point in their lives. I mean, it, you will lose your grandmother, you will lose your grandfather, you will lose your parents, you will lose your siblings and um, maybe a friend that you love so dearly and everyone will face grief at one point in their lives. And we cannot escape that. That's not, in, that's not possible because we are not living in Crocod Island and we are not vampires. So <laughs> we You're are going <laughs> Maybe you are, I don't know. But I can say for myself, guys, that I'm not a vampire. Okay. No. Uh, yes. But I wish I was so I could learn more about the world. <laughs>
0: And, That's the
1: nice uh, thing. I don't have a biting moment. But yeah, I, I give you the <laughs> time. <appetite. laughs> uh, I mean, I want to be a vampire not because I crave blood, but because I want, I crave knowledge. Uh, so, so if you, um, I mean, I was just looking at this new uh, streaming service show called The Woman Across the Girl in the Window or something like that. It's a kind of Uh, show that that is a parody of the girl on the train and the woman across uh, the woman in the window and uh, i was watching that before we started talking and she was uh, she was saying something and she was about to do something and she said no it's not you it's grief doing this and i'm like okay grief again i mean people cannot stop talking about grief and that these days, I mean, uh, but it's, it was expected, as I said, uh, because of the collective grief that we experienced, uh, that it had to come out somehow. So it is coming out in shows. We talked about Hill House before, which is about addiction and grief. And we talked about Blind Manor, which is also about grief. And then uh, we can see that Mike Flanagan has a problem with grief because He's once again talking about grief in this one, and uh, it starts with grief. It starts yeah. with Riley on the top left, uh, that is seeing that uh, very handsome guy. This he one. he has a car crash, and he kills a teenage uh, girl, and he's just lost. I mean, he's obviously under the influence of alcohol uh, and also he just looks lost. He just uh, cannot face that. He just looks at the girl and cannot face what he has done. He's just stuck there, stuck in that moment. And we later see uh, him uh, in prison and he's still seeing the ghost of that girl. And that is his conscience not giving him the uh, time of the day. It just like keeps pushing him because grief keeps pushing him to face up to what he has done and to uh, kind of take reins and to deal with his grief uh, because he didn't just kill girl he also killed his own life Uh he killed all of his career prospects he killed every chance that he might get at a at a reasonable life now he's just branded as a killer i mean yeah he's branded by society as a killer so um he's grieving his own life as well because he now knows that things can't go back to what they were, so he goes back to the only place that he knows, his home, which is Crockett yeah. Island. But he doesn't have a he doesn't have a clue what is going to happen to him there. I mean, yeah. if he knew, if he only knew, maybe he wouldn't go back. But I don't know. Maybe he would because uh, he's such a self-sacrificing guy in the end. So. Yeah
0: yeah but he's also he's also like um he doesn't know what to do with himself he has he's lost his purpose by yeah. by accidentally killing this person he's lost his purpose in life and you were, you were telling us about this now and i was thinking again about the camera how he plays with riley all the time every time he sees this girl there's this tilt of the camera right yeah. we go in his position and we see her again and he's and yeah. she's looking at him like if she was the camera as
1: well. It's fantastic exactly. how the it's camera shows. Yeah. And it starts Every- with the Dutch Dutch angle, which which is a kind of angle that shows something is going wrong. Yeah, Hitchcock yeah. uses it. He uses it a lot. Sometimes it's called an Hitchcock angle as well, because he uses it so much. And it goes like this and and, uh, and tilts to the girl's level, and uh, we are now on the ground with her. And because Riley's life is uh, the same as hers, it's just over, over, it's over. And uh, he, at least he thinks so. At least hmm. he thinks so. Until he comes to Crocodile Island and meets Aaron, then. He kind of has uh, has a kind of glimpse of hope, I think, that things might get better, but uh, things does not they do not get better. they get kind of worse. And well, yeah. Uh, yeah, he needs to sacrifice himself. Uh, and that that's also a very interesting uh angle they're on the boat and it's kind of like camera is coming closer and you're kind of nervous you're you're asking yourself like is he going to hurt Aaron or not you're you're no. inclining towards not but you're not sure because no. this is human nature and uh you can never guess human nature and uh but but he just goes. I brought us here not because you cannot escape, but because I cannot. And you're like, oh my god, he's going to commit suicide. Oh my god, is uh, of course it's a traumatic moment for Aaron, grief, trauma, and yeah. but but he. Whatever he did, he wouldn't be able to prove her that this is what happened to him. The only way for Aaron to believe him was for her to see that. Yeah. Oh my God! This man just burst into flames <laughs> uh, in the sunlight, and yeah. uh, of course, it's a horrific moment that he she has to pedal back to the town. And tell everyone about it. And uh, yeah. so we, we can start a little bit uh, about talking about Erin. This is her grief, but also she has another kind of grief. She's also a domestic abuse survivor. That mm-hmm. is important. Uh, she's been through trauma. And uh, she's also, um, she loses a child uh through the series uh she use uh, she has a not a not even a miscarriage it just baby disappears i mean yes. you have no idea what happened uh, because of the you know vampire blood that they keep drinking in the congregation uh she loses the baby she literally it literally disappears that, into thin air yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
0: that's very for me that was really scary
1: That's even worse. I mean, if you had a miscarriage, you would have something to grieve about. I mean, you would have some kind of tangible proof that, you know, you could bury it, for example. I mean, you could do some kind of service for it, but it doesn't exist. Like, people are saying, you've never been pregnant. Like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, how?
0: Yeah, this is a very, for me, that was a very uh important moment uh because and i think i'm not sure if that's done on purpose but that's how i read it because of my personal situation i had miscarriages and Mm -hmm. between my two children and one was an ectopic and i almost died and the other one wasn't evolving and there's a difference between a woman who misses uh, who loses a a a new uh, a newborn child that there's a child, as you said, to bury. But yeah. when this child doesn't even actually grow, and it's almost like a ghost, but you've had it there for a few days, hours, weeks, and it's not even form as a human being because he didn't have a heartbeat, but you've had to go to, through surgery. Yeah. People say to you and other women say to you, that's not the same as me losing my new child when actually grief presents itself and pain and loss it doesn't matter how big it or it's like saying to you to someone well if you lose you know you you your baby's died it's not as important as my 20 year old son dying." what are we saying here for me that was wonderful because mm-hmm. her pain was not so much that she's lost a future child she's not even known this child but the fact that is invisibility this this invisibility that society creates about i knew i was pregnant because you don't see it there you're not treating it as a human being it was alive for me it was kicking and in my head it had a future so for me the message there i don't know if i already like that because of my personal situation but i kind of hope that other women in my situation read that like that and they can actually say yes it's not just happened to me this invisibility happens. And there's where we find Gothic again. We find in that it was and now it is in kind of a space, this gray area. So I think what happens to her there is more not just losing this baby, but the fact that people didn't believe her, the doctors didn't believe her. And there was no remains of hormonal baby having been there, which yeah. then at a the psychological level she probably was even thinking have i made this up
1: have i the imagined doctor,
0: it the doctor with us said no no i was listening to the heartbeat He was there but science says that there is anything there there isn't anything so sorry i just wanted to to talk about that because he's something quite close to me. It's and
1: important. That, I mean, I'm sorry for your losses, by the way, uh, but it's really important that you contribute uh, to the conversation because of your personal experience.
0: Yeah, it's, it's something that I needs to... It's painful, you know, and I have to kind of uh, the, distance myself from the conversation when I'm talking about it because, if know, I will be in tears. And it doesn't matter that it's happened ten years ago, uh, is still, in, you know, is still, is still there, you know, it's something that keeps coming back. But that also is a moment in this series where she's more vulnerable as well. And then she has this wonderful conversation with Riley about life and death, which we can get to later. And that triggers, you know, it made me almost cry when she was telling, I think my baby is, the purpose was that and then she's going to be okay now and I can see her and she constructs this all the parallel universe or world around her child and mm. that's how she finds peace and you know and then for Riley if, if Riley is different uh, death is more about the neurons and about the connections and then when you start switching off how wonderful this way of accepting uh the disappearance of your own existence i think yeah
1: i mean um i have read a lot of grief research uh because of my own research on like grief in 21st century horror films and a lot of the books that i've read uh talked about miscarriages i mean they had chapters on miscarriages and uh, they also talked about kind of what you talked about that it was uh, you know society deemed it not so you know not so important a uh, kind yeah. of grief as as a you know like a full-grown person who full-grown child but uh, actually grief scholars don't agree with that because it doesn't matter you have the bond you have yes something inside you you have uh fears for it you have uh dreams for it i mean yes. you have you have everything uh you have you have taught a life for this little person and um uh, it's it's really um uh, vital that we acknowledge that this kind of grief can also mean a lot of things and it means a lot to the person and uh, it was William Warden uh, who said, uh, who basically uh, said a word that Professor uh, Alpert once said, each person's grief is like no other person's grief. And this is yeah. very, imp- I think the last part is the most important part. Each person's grief is like no other person's grief because it all changes. I mean, it is all similar. Uh, at the at the point, like uh, Alpert says, it is also similar, but also very very different from one another. We all grieve differently. For example, uh, I mean, in my home, we had a very uh, recent death. Uh, I lost my, as I said in the first part, I lost my grandmother to COVID uh, one month ago, and um, well, each of us had different reactions. I mean, I was shocked. Because I talked to her at 6 p.m. and at 1 a.m. I heard my aunt say that my grandmother is dead. And I was, I was like, wow. what do you mean? What do you mean she died? And she was, it was like seven hours. And we talked, yes. like, we talked like nothing was happening. And she, she had good health. She was telling me. Uh, but she says something, which is very important. She said, this disease, uh, I mean, they. Uh, my grandmother used to live uh, with my aunt, her husband mm-hmm. and her son. So, they all had COVID. And my grandmother said, they will survive. I will not ma- oh. make it through. To be right. She turned out to be right, actually. And um, so, after that, each person... Yeah, yeah. she kind of knew. I mean, death has a weird way. It works in mysterious ways, just like life, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. because we have and different ways of uh, acknowledging this death, and my mother still talks about reacting in different ways. For example, right. I am burying myself in work, which is a kind of uh, denial, not denial, but it's kind of, a way to avoid thinking about it all the time. And my mother still talks about my grandmother in present tense as if she's still alive. And, yeah. uh, and my brother doesn't talk at all. So everybody has their own kind of like grief reaction, which is fascinating to me because uh, death and grief are fascinating. And while we're talking about grief, grief doesn't always come with death and we can talk about Lisa in this uh, on the on the top right uh, there is Lisa and uh, she's uh, in a wheelchair she has been in a wheelchair because uh, the town drunk uh, crashes into her with a car and uh, since then she just can't walk and one of the first miracles that father paul does like uh is basically helping her get up and walk and this is very important because up until this point lisa lisa grieves the life she could have had if oh she if there wasn't this accident she even goes to the uh, trailer of the guy who crashed into her. And she says that she doesn't forgive him and she never will. And uh, But later she forgives him, of course. But uh, she's very angry. She's rageful. And she doesn't want to forgive. But uh, because she's grieving, she's angry. As we talked before, there, are, uh, according to Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, there are five stages of grief one is denial and then after denial comes anger and after anger comes of course it doesn't have to be after it can it can like go from one place to another it can change altogether but denial anger bargaining depres- depression and acceptance they have to be uh present in grief uh according to them of course and um lisa lisa is um not accepting at first she's not accepting that this is the life she's going to lead now she's not that's why she's angry she's so angry but by the end uh she's one of the three survivors uh of the crooked island massacre and uh while they're on a boat and the sun is rising And uh, it looks so beautiful. And then she says, I can't feel my legs. And she smiles. And that's very important to me uh, as a viewer and as a scholar. It's very important because uh, it means that she's finally, finally come face to face with the fact that this is her life now. And there's nothing wrong with that. And... um, it is, it is very important as a message also, because the, after the first episodes, uh, the show was criticized for being anti-disability. And uh, this end saves it, uh, basically, okay. uh, that uh, she's now okay with uh, who she is. And it yeah. doesn't change anything. She is who no. she is. She's is still Lisa. It doesn't change anything. And uh, that's really important. And then we have Mildred and Paul, (laughs) our couple. uh, (laughs) As it seems, seems, spoiler alert, (laughs) our couple. Um, But we said spoiler alert from the beginning, guys. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it turns out they were once an item and Mildred uh, has Alzheimer's um, and Alzheimer's is a vicious disease I have had three best friends whose grandmothers or grandfathers fought uh, with Alzheimer's so I am very um, very familiar with experience I mean not familiar as a person who you know uh, looked after them Uh, But I'm very uh, familiar in the sense that I know how hard it is for the person going through it, but also the people around them, their loved ones. Alzheimer is a very, very vicious disease for your loved ones uh, because you forget about them. Your memory (laughs) just slips. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the daughter. It doesn't matter if you're the love of their life. They will forget about you. And yeah. you shouldn't take that personally. And Mildred is slowly losing who she is, her identity. And Paul comes in just in the right time to bring uh, the goblet of fire, basically, yeah. to, to her. And she's he's breaking the sacrament to her on a basically a daily basis. And uh what she what he's giving her is actually vampire blood. And we are starting to notice that she's getting better. Mildred is getting better, she's remembering things, and uh she's starting to get younger as well. When I first uh when I first watched the show, I said like why did they choose a young person? I mean, this is obviously makeup. Why yeah. did they choose a young person to play an old woman? And then I understood why that was because you cannot de-age. You cannot de an old person, but you can make uh, a young person seem old. And uh, she gets old. Uh, she she gets as young as her daughter, maybe even younger. And, uh, at that point, you know, everyone is like, I mean, I mean, uh, Sarah is a science, uh, um, scientist. She's a doctor and, uh, she's also, she doesn't go to church. Uh, she doesn't believe in anything as long as we know. And, uh, she cannot believe what she's seeing. I mean, uh, the moment where she's looking at the blood and the blood just bursts into flames because of the sunlight, it's just like she's, okay, I'm skeptic. <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm skeptic, but this is this is too far. This is just like blood boiling and just like poof, uh, yeah. exploding in front that's, of my own eyes. That's very
0: important, I think, for you to say there because if it not been because erin loses this baby and she can see with her own eyes what yeah. this blood does these two end up supporting each other precisely because they know that they're not mad and that what's yeah, happening mad. Is actually, yeah it's actually <laughs> real so we have this science versus the supernatural there sorry that i interrupted but yes no, no
1: no yeah that's that's the, that was a great interruption and I think she says something like I would say that you were mad but <laughs> look at this now <laughs> look at what I'm going to show you yeah. and uh it was it was a fascinating moment between this really strong independent great woman uh the show is also is also a very, very great show uh, in terms of portrayals of women, I think. And uh, also queer characters as well. I mean, Mike Flanagan has a queer character in every show. That's basically his signature. And I uh, I love him for that because it's inclusion and it matters. And um, also, uh, well, Sarah... Does't like Sarah has not lost her mother, but also she has lost her mother. I mean, yes. she, uh, it's like Schrodinger's cat. The cat is alive and dead at the same time. And yeah. uh, because she's losing her memory, she's losing who she is, she's basically uh, losing herself uh, in Sarah's eyes in front of Sarah's eyes. But then yeah. oh. uh, she starts to remember stuff. Uh, and sarah's grief turns out to be like what, what what am i going to grieve now like my mother was kind of dying but now she's not and what what what, what am i supposed to do now she's yeah. uh, she's, oh, uh, yeah.
0: her she's her in baby. shock she's in yeah. shock
1: her definitely royalty, yeah
0: they go in down as well i think for, that's another character that there's a bit of sacrifice there uh the scientist yeah yes scientist. sarah
1: definitely big sacrifice sarah. i she, mean when she
0: realizes who she is and 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 then she she doesn't want to be saved she could be saved yeah. and she doesn't
1: want to be saved either She doesn't want to be saved because she doesn't want to live a life like that and um because this is our life and we should we doesn't decide we can't decide how we live but we should be able to decide uh, how we go on living and yeah. you know, uh, in this earth. I mean, uh, we can't choose to be born, but we can't choose to live. And that's uh, an important uh, message in the film. My Mildred also could be saved, but she yeah. just, no, she doesn't want to live like that. Yeah. And uh, Paul has this great image in his mind that they will all become vampires, <laughs> sort of. And I don't know. I don't
0: know what were... he's in that sense, really. You know, he I think I think did...
1: I I have no idea what, what he was thinking. I didn't, I think I don't think he uh, thought this through because, like, no. what were they going to feed with all this time? Like, exactly. you can't even go outside in the sunlight. Like, what are you going to do? Stay inside forever? Like, um, but yeah, what is their plan?
0: Yeah, they were cursed from the beginning. They were going, they were deemed to die, whatever. Because yeah. of self-destruction, as you said, in a small town. I mean, the only thing you could do is get a boat. I mean, there was a the boat thing in the water. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they had this intention of running away, didn't they? And yeah, they had. It. But then the plan didn't go down to plan, you know. Down to plane,
1: plan. yeah. yeah. And then he he burned down the church, which is my favorite. Like, he oh, my. burned down his <laughs> entire church, his own church, his own parish, into ashes. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, n- not yes, as in like destroying buildings, but... You know uh, because I hate Beverly so much <laughs> that oh my i didn't want her to, uh, I didn't want her to survive this uh, entire thing and uh the the but this show is about because grief in the end is about love. You cannot grieve something uh if you do not love it. you have to love it to have lost it and uh, it's really important and Paul is seeing the love of her life basically losing her identity in his very own eyes he's just watching it's a very sad moment he's grieving and after this angel thing it crosses over her mind that he over his mind that maybe he should take this monster to an island okay. and uh, basically live the life he was meant to live as a family this yeah. time. And but it doesn't work like that, life doesn't work like that, death doesn't work like that, no. and no. uh. It's, it's, it takes him forever, basically, to understand that this is no way to live, and uh, that he has done wrong. And it costs—it costs the whole town, basically.
0: One act,
1: yes, one act, costs the lives lives of hundreds of people. And yeah.
0: um, but no, it's, it's what we were saying uh, in the other in the first uh, interview, in the first part, that that's exactly what um, cult groups do when you see these suicidal actions. It's just that, it's insane. We all follow, you know, no matter what, it goes out of control. And then people that have second thoughts, they can't go back. Uh, You know, there's a bit of sort of everything. But by then, it's too late. But the okay. one thing that the show also, I'm thinking about it now as well, is the way all these characters are communicating their grief, and they communicate in their pains, and we have either very very long conversations and dialogues, but in twos. You don't see groups of people chatting, apart from the mass. Yeah, apart from yes. the, the moment in church where he lost, loses the blood. Sometimes everybody going, "What was it all about?" But <laughs> Also, at no point, and I guess that this is gonna need a no section in its own. This vampire thing or angel never says a word, the right. same as the ghost, the same as Riley's ghost. They do not say a word, they right. they just there. This is so gothic because we are describing the other. But the other is not describing itself only by his actions and is not saying anything to us. We don't really know if this thing is even coherent. It's just an animal feeding. How does Paul manage to get him over, get this thing with him to the island if he was in Jerusalem? How the hell did he make it there? How did he communicate? What? you know, There's something there that is like, okay, that's up to us to make a what. Well, if he's a vampire and we know about vampires and his
1: telepathy, <laughs> how yeah. can they talk I mean, to each other? Even the, even the fact that he brought it over, like, how did you bring it over? Like, wasn't oh. anyone in the like, airport or, you know, if you came by ship, okay. no one checked your luggage? Like, no one opened your luggage and looked at the vampire? Like, how th- th- did it go through X ray? Like, what happened there? You like,
0: uh... brought know this big trunk. And I was thinking, is the thing inside this trunk? Has go, he got soil to sleep on it, like Dracula?
1: Yeah. Yeah, is probably. But yeah. we never
0: see this trunk, do we? Do we see anything inside?
1: and like what he did he say to him like say to this monster like please get in the trunk (laughs) kind sir (laughs) like please like what how did that happen in the church
0: how do you get in dress like the like another priest with a cassock and i'm like oh that's so
1: creepy man so creepy that was so creepy and so (laughs) satanic (laughs) so satanic
0: Yes, well, oh, but I think that he deserves this monster, this character, this vampire needs its own space.
1: Definitely. But, you know, we will talk about this in another episode.
0: In another episode, we're going to prepare that very well if people really like us to go there too. Yeah. <clears throat> but for that, we need some support. So that's why we got this. More yeah,
1: support. support. <laughs> Check <laughs> it out, guys. Sorry, this way.
0: That way. That way. Yeah, that way. Uh, like that, down there. But it's true that for me, communication as well is so, so important in in anything. But in, in the Gothic, we see how these all these entities are communicating and uh, how much of what we have there, <clears throat> excuse me. At the end of the show, I always lose my voice, how this these constructs of the other we have, us. Oh, we have yeah. the other, but then this other in this series. Blends in with us, or is trying to blend in with us. But it, in the end, it can't happen. There's always, we always have to have this yin yang of the balance of good and evil, uh, light, darkness. And even though the boundaries sometimes merge, they go back and they distance themselves like these atoms that attract each other. Then yeah. at the same time, they can be repelling each other. So I think, in that sense, also, it's interesting all the communication or the
1: lack of communication yeah. so we communication not, is important yes. for grief as well i mean we talked sure. about a little bit about the uh, conversations you know aaron and Riley have that yes. uh, that's very important for grief because grief is something that you should voice out if yes. you sit by it you know if you sit uh, like and think about it by yourself It can drive you crazy, it can make you do things that you will later regret, but if you share, and I think this is why films about grief and shows about grief are important because it is, they are encouraging us to share with people, Mm -hmm. share more our pain, our suffering, our trauma, our grief, and if we share, it will get better. Really, it does get better. Yeah,
0: so yeah. The that would be my
1: last word. Communication is important.
0: Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. So let's, yeah, let's show the last slide as a summary kind of slide to create awareness among the people who are watching this and also as a starting point for the next uh, introduction for the next section uh, or sections. So what are we doing with this series or what have we done so far and we can still go even deeper and down the, this rabbit hole. So we're creating awareness and um, yes, we did agree at the start that we have like at the beginning of the series, we have this phrase that someone says, I can't remember which character says, that the community is like a ghost. That's right at the beginning. So yeah. we're already introduced to this idea. This community is a ghost. So something needs to happen because kind of the vampire thing shook things a bit and <laughs> she comes <it's thumbs> up <laughs> yeah and then this not being such a ghost but the the fact that there's this reference that's something that we could actually look more in depth communities yeah, as
1: ghost as a ghost
0: yeah then we also have um Riley's lack of purpose we talked about that briefly but we could go more in depth about Riley yes. and his life and his background and his relationship with his parents that we haven't really talked about how he connects with his dad and sure. and also the family and the relationship with the mom and the brother uh, addiction is a big one because we don't just have addiction to uh, alcohol but we have all addictions like Addiction to life, even or not to not dying, this blood Don't addiction, die. yeah. So, that's another Our thing, or addiction could... to
1: immortality,
0: <laughs> yes. That you and me, we we cursed, <laughs> we want to be <laughs> immortal to
1: be immortal to know more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make a t shirt of that.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to be immortal because I want to know more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I <Adam>, do do that. <laughs> that's so, great. Then, We've also got, you were saying that love and death, which is like a very, very traditional uh, tandem that we find from medieval texts. Love and death, Romeo and Juliet, these kind of sacrificing yourself and people you love to be with the person that you love and creating all these problems. That's an a no old topic. and And in this case, we have the evil deeds, which is what you were saying before we started talking we talked briefly about child loss and all that we could contribute with um, different um, research and you were saying as well that there's a lot of studies behind um, child loss and early stages. The vampire is an angel of the Lord, which is like so antagonistic, that is even funny, but it has a lot of history as well. So these are like Immortal topics in themselves. They will never stop talking about these things either. Yeah. Then Bev's righteousness is the other thing you were talking <laughs> about.
1: Ah, Bev,
0: <laughs> <laughs> smack the wall. I mean, then... even
1: even uh, the hatred that I have for Bev shows how much of a an actress Samantha Sloyan really is. I mean, she's phenomenal yeah. in the yeah. show. I can't. I can't stop. Talking about her on the show because, like, she's she's off the charts. Yeah. Because you immediately hate her guts. <laughs> You're like, when is this woman gonna die? <laughs> like, yeah. but she doesn't. She doesn't for a, quite a long time, guys. Spoiler alert.
0: Then the surprise is that when she actually turns and embraces this monster as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. So after, like,
0: like, whoa because what it's an angel
1: down? of the Lord
0: yeah just how to manipulate this information so it goes well with me yeah we could talk about that for a long time too yeah Alzheimer's and memory loss very important for identity as you were saying before religious satanism I mean sometimes the extremes yeah what happens when the extremes are so extreme that they they get together uh people's blind beliefs is connected to the previous one philosophizing about life and death we were saying that too and people's interpretations is a sign of social illness, which we mentioned in the first part. So I think we've got a lot of, we've talked about all this, we're creating awareness, not just because this series, we love it, we, we enjoyed it, but I think it tells us a lot about what's going on in our societies still, things that are ancient, that we're still carrying on with them. And I think that I would love to invite you again
1: I continue. would love to be on the show.
0: It's, it's great talking to you. Time flies. Eh? Good job we looking at the timer, but it time flies. But the people, I if you like this, it, really it does, it flies. It really does, like a vampire. Really
1: uh, <laughs> time flies like a vampire. <laughs> like yeah. A
0: vampire. <laughs> So I would like to, I would like to ask people to support us a, in coffee in Alice Gothigland Land 1402, that's the number I was giving in coffee, and <laughs> visit us there and support us, and then we can continue creating content that is not just a chat, any chat is, there's a lot of research behind it, there's a passion, there's a, well, this thing of helping other people to overcome their own fears and their own greedy moments, if we can. And at the same time, as we're enjoying a show, you know, shows are not just entertainment and books are not just entertainment. They help us. And there's cognitive science behind all these that tells, uh, you know, that they actually help us find tools to overcome our daily lives. So that's how you can follow Tuche as well. We have in Twitter and Instagram. And
1: uh, you're not on
0: Facebook. Not I'm not on, on Facebook.
1: Facebook. Yes, I don't know right. why I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> You're in enough places. On I YouTube. use if you if you follow me, you will know that I use Twitter as a kind of like um, to to talk about horror movies mostly because it's it's my area and talk about grief a little bit as well. And I use uh instagram to post about you know things that i will do you know symposiums and all that i i share information and i share photos because i'm also a photographer and mm-hmm. so you'll Would see you that see- if you follow well,
0: me yeah it's, it's great to see everything you do i mean that's what we encourage people to do if you like someone find someone follow this person because there's always interesting uh, conversations going outside Programs and classes, so that's what we have to do. And well, you know, I'm all over the place, so that's me.
1: But you have have so much on your plate,
0: (laughs) it's not healthy, I'm telling you, it's not healthy. But (laughs) it's it's just that when people know you, so yeah, this is Alice in Gothenland. And uh, let's go back to these. Thank you very much. Uh, And we're going to be doing a next part. So we'll we'll leave it for a couple of weeks to keep working on this stuff. Uh, But if uh, what do you think if we continue then with our Gothic elements? It would be great. Okay, let's do all the Gothic elements in the series.
1: Bukie.
0: Yeah, because I think people still do not know. I keep asking, I keep getting this question, what is gothic? gothic? And there's a lot of people outside the academia that are attracted to the genre, they're attracted to the mode, they don't quite know what that is and what that looks like. And I think we can actually help them see these elements by looking into something that they've probably seen. So
1: Exactly. And gothic is very popular these days for yes. many various reasons, of course, it's very popular. Yes.
0: It's the time to let people know what that can do for them as well? And just keep learning critical thinking, uh, identity, and enjoying ourselves investigating, because the brain is an interesting thing. And we always use have... it. <laughs> exactly, we need to use it, and we need to keep investigating. So thank you very much to Che. I'll... We'll thank you
1: episode. it's it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you so nice
0: see you very soon and uh, we come with more so get ready get ready because we bring in the vampires and all the ghosts next <laughs> <go>. our vampires
1: <laughs> angels next episode <laughs>
0: next episode with the ghosty touch <laughs>
1: Okay, good uh, Take perfect. care. See you
0: very, very soon. See you in the Thank next you, one.
1: everyone. Bye. Bye.